Well, as we dive into the message time today, I want to remind you that we are in the middle of a series called Justice and the Bible. And this got kicked off by Dr. Thaddeus Williams a couple of weeks ago, who wrote the book, Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth. It's a fantastic book. If you have not read it, I would encourage you to get that and, uh, and read through it, because what he gave us was kind of an overview, but the book goes into much more detail. And he set us up really, really well. He gave us a couple of categories for social justice. He talked about social justice A and social justice B, social justice A being social justice that aligns with biblical principles and social justice B so often what is pushed in the world that does not necessarily align with biblical principles. Then last week we talked about the God of justice, how we have a just God who is fair in everything that he does and yet he allows for injustice to happen in this world which was brought in by humans but he has allowed it to happen and we talked about the fact that he's continuing to allow it for a time because justice is coming in the future. And he says, justice is coming, be patient. He says this multiple times in his word, but he is holding off. And why? Because he says he wants to allow time for more people to trust in Jesus, to repent of their sins. And when that happens, we said, they get the justice of Jesus applied to them. It's called justified. That's the theological term. And so our sins don't count against us anymore. And even though we justly deserve punishment and punishment and judgment is going to happen because you can't have justice without punishment for wrongdoing. But that will not happen for those who have trusted in Jesus because of his payment for our sin being applied to us. So justice is coming. One day God will set everything right. But in the meantime, as followers of God, as followers of Jesus, we are still responsible to do justice. We said last week, the Bible tells us to correct oppression to speak up for the rights of the poor, to care for orphans and for widows and for anyone that is marginalized, for anyone who's on the fringes. Our job as followers of Jesus is not just to sit back and wait until God makes everything right, but to start doing that work now, to be his hands and feet now, his representatives in the world. The Bible says that we are fiduciaries or stewards of God's grace in this world. And that is what he wants us to do. Well, today we continue on in this series with a couple more guest speakers. Alex and Angela Bryant wrote a book called Let's Start Again. And it is an excellent look at race relations and reconciliation uh, from a couple who knows it well. Um, Alex and Angela came here and spoke to our elders and our pastors and our staff a few months ago. And that was excellent. And we are so excited to get to share their message with all of you. So uh, we're going to play a short intro video to the series. And then Alex and Angela are going to come and share with you today. And they'll be here next week as well, by the way. So let's watch this and then we'll get ready for Alex and Angela. Well, good morning, Efree. Good morning. We're so glad to be here today. Yeah. How you guys all doing? Good. Now listen, I'm a black preacher. You got to give me some feedback. You know what I'm saying? A brother's got to get something. You can give me a, an amen, a word, or whatever you want to give me, but give a brother something. Word? There we go. <laughs> so, hey. Yeah, well, so I just want to say um, a little bit about us. So we just celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary last week. Thank you. And uh, I've been putting up with it for a while, people. Oh Thank you for that. That's, with his jokes that's true. It's too early for you to make those kind of jokes. Never too early for jokes. Never too early. So. And um, we, oh, stay close. Hold up there. 
I all, she always like scoots back, and over here it will be like a total eclipse. Like, look, you cannot see her at all. So I'm always like, stay up there, yes, baby, stay up there. I don't know why I did that. So, um, but I wanted to tell you guys just a little bit about us. We had, like I said, have been married 26 years, and we have five awesome kids that you're going to get to see in this video that we're going to show here in a second. Um, but as a mom of five wonderful kids. They don't always really act wonderful. And um, some of you maybe have experienced that. Um, and one thing that I have, that the Lord has spoken to me about, because people ask us all the time, why do you, are you guys talking about racial reconciliation? Like I thought you're ministers. Well, here's the deal. Psalm 133.1 says, how good and pleasing it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And as a mom, I know what that feels like when my kids are not dwelling together in unity. And I hate it. I hate it when they hurt each other. I hate it when they're inconsiderate of each other. And I, that, that scripture popped out at me one day. And it was like, our father hates it when all of his kids aren't getting along. And not even just not getting along, but aren't dwelling together in unity. And so that is kind of the heartbeat of, of why I'm passionate about this subject. Racial reconciliation impacts us on the daily. Um, but, you know, I know that it's the father's heart, too, that all of his children dwell together in unity. And so we kind of jumped in this space. We've been married for a while. We grew up in the same hometown. A few years ago, we pastored here in St. Louis. We ran the St. Louis Dream Center, and Ferguson happened. You guys were all around for that. And that was the first time that we were thrust into this space and this conversation. Up until that point, we were just Alex and Angie just doing our thing and just living life. And we have five kids they're little biracial kids. I tell them that um, when it's scholarship time, you're black. When the police come, you're white. I mean, you got you to say what you got to say, you know. So I, let me just say this. If you can't laugh, you're not going to like this. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just going to be real with you. It's okay to laugh sometimes, all right? But, you know, we're doing us, and all of a sudden Ferguson happened, and that's when we came face-to-face -face with what's going on. Um, when, you know, Mike Brown was killed and the narrative, hands up, don't shoot, and however you want to look at that, and um, it happened. And I remember leading our congregation, leading here in the community. I was on the streets trying to help keep the peace between the people and the police. And I remember going home one night, and my son, who was my oldest son, who's in eighth grade at the time, and he says, Dad, do I have to worry about being shot by the police? And um, it hits home then. Yeah. Because you know, it goes from being just a, a theoretical thing to, okay, we have to really work through this. And so fast forward, we, we help do what we can here in St. Louis. A couple years later, we find ourselves pastoring in Kansas City. And there were five police officers that were shot in Dallas. And my heart went out because I did not like that. We love police officers. We have several police officers in our family. I have two black cousins in Illinois who are police officers right now. I have a white brother-in-law who's a sheriff and um, a sheriff's deputy in Bolivar, Missouri, uncles that were on the police force. We love police. I'm not trying to defund them. I love police. And, um, and it w our hearts went out to this, this tragedy of these police officers being shot. And in response to that, we made a video. The Lord gave it to us. And it ended up going viral to our surprise. And that's what kind of got us in this space. And we want to share that video with you. But before we do that, we just want to tell you how you can connect with our ministry. If you like what you're hearing, even if you're online, um, it's easy. If you, if you want to hear more about what we're doing, you can join our mailing list. Text start again, all one word to 22828. And if you want to get on our mailing list to know what we're doing and how we're doing it and um, some of the resources we have for you, you can do that. Again, text start again, 
all one word. Now, if you're on my phone, it autocorrects and wants yeah. to put a space in there. You won't connect with us. It's got to be yeah, start it, it, again. It's some other something else. I don't uh, know what it is. One word, yeah, the 22828. And then as well, um, we're telling you about our book. You want to tell them about this? Well, I want to say this. So it seems like we're being presented with two binary choices, you know, like make America great again or Black Lives Matter or, you know, you're either Republican, Democrat, you are for the police or you're against them. And, and our thought was... That's, that's not the way the, the world works. That's not the way our Lord works. You know, he brings people together. And so that's kind of the heart and the message of this book is let's start again. Let's get the Father's heart into this controversy and find some unity. Again, unity is what I'm so, all yeah, about. So, so this is our book. Let's start again. And we have these with us today. We're out here. There's a little um, booth out there. It's $15. We'd love to share with you. Um, our heart is this. If you, if you can't afford it, just let us know. Give me a wink. I'll give you one. So um, we want you to have this resource. And then we have some shirts that we have as well. Um, let's Wait, start man, again. That's our movement. It's, we say that it's not a black versus white thing. It's not a us versus the police. This is a dark versus light thing. The devil spiritual has been trying battle. to... Yeah, it's a spiritual battle. And so we have these shirts, $15 each. If you want both of them, we'll give them to you for 25 If you want to help support our ministry and become a monthly partner, we'll give you one of those for free. So, But that's kind of um, us, Alex and Angie, how to connect with us. I want to show you this video, and then I want to come back up and share some thoughts with you. Thank you.
Well, that is the message that the Lord gave to us, and um, we're doing our best to steward it. Um, let's start again. We truly believe that um, it's not a black versus white thing. We travel all over, and we, we see that, um, that we're really truly not as divided as, as the media might want to present it to us or as, as politicians want us to think we are. It's not a black versus white thing. It's not an us versus police thing. Again, I talk to black people in the black community all the time, and we don't want to defund the police. Um, this is a dark versus light thing. This is the devil trying to use the sin of racism that he's been using for centuries to try to stir up, to distract us, to divide us from doing what God's called us to do. And um, we say no more. We'd love to really connect with you in our ministry. If for nothing else, pray for us. We have these little prayer cards that we have. Um, come get one of those on our, at our, our desk out there and just, just pray with us because we know that we have a message that we want to take all over and we want to share it to anyone and everyone that'll listen. It'll tell you about a few resources we have. We also do a podcast and it's absolutely free and it just gives some of our, our thoughts on this area of race relations. And so come connect with us. We'd love to see you. And give you a little dap or shake your hand, whatever you want to do. We even hug. I mean, I do. So, um, but you know, um, we, we really want to connect and just um, come here. And so, um, once again, thank you, Pastor Adam, for having us here. This is a beautiful church, and thank you all. You guys do things with excellence. I like that. This is um, such a beautiful place. And so, I'm anal as well. I see they got the tape for podium, and I just want to make sure that it's in there. So, um, let's all do this. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's, it's really neat. The message I want to share with you today in the remaining moments we have is, is this. It's simple. The gospel is for all people. The gospel is for everyone. That video said it. It's, it's, it's not the dark that we want to live in. We want to live in the light. And in the light, we know that love leads to forgiveness, leads to unity, leads to peace. That's what we're all about, love. It's, it's all about us having love. And I think I got it backward, leads to forgiveness. We need forgiveness. And we know that Christians are the ones that understand what it is to be forgiven and to forgive other people. We're supposed to, to, to show that, model that, which is gonna lead to unity and then to peace. We, the, the scripture I wanna share with you this morning is out of 1 John chapter 1, verses five through seven. And I'll read it here. It says, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I just want, to, want you to stop and think about this passage. And the first thing that I will ask is, who is he talking with here? Who is the author talking to? Well, we know right away from reading this that he's talking to us, to Christian people, to the church. He says here, this is the message we've heard from him. And we declare it to you. God is light. I mean, we've heard it from, from him, from Jesus. He shared this message with us, and we declare to you that God is like, there's no darkness in him at all. Here's how we know he's talking to Christians, because he says in verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him 
That's what Christians do, don't we? We claim to have fellowship with God. We've been forgiven for our sins. We've been washed by the blood. Jesus, he has come and, and made a sacrifice and done something that we could never do for ourselves. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But because of what Jesus did, his work of living a perfect life of never sinning and then going to the cross, we have the opportunity to be forgiven. Be forgiven for our sins. We can be united with Christ, reconciled unto God. That's the light. This is the message. He's talking to Christians right here. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, then we lie. We do not live out the truth. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet we're fighting with our brothers and sisters all over Facebook, we're liars. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet people can't tell if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, because, you know, you're engaging in all this craziness, you're, you're picking the sides that, that, that's presented to us, you know, you, you're, you're, more, you know uh, you, you're more apt to show that you're a Republican or a Democrat than you are to show that you're a Christian. If we claim to have fellowship with him, if people can't see the love of Jesus in and through you, you're lying. We don't live out the truth. But... If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. This passage is clearly speaking with us Christians. We are the people who knows what it's like to have fellowship with God. We're the ones that knows what it's like to be forgiven for our sins. Aren't you thankful for forgiveness? Amen. I'm thankful for forgiveness. Amen. We are the ones who know what it's like to have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, who can help us live out what God is calling us to do. We are the ones that are connected with our hearts and our heads to the word of God. See, I know something about your church. We followed your church for a while. As a matter of fact, your church has blessed my family for a while. When we lived here in St. Louis back in, what, 2014? I think it's 2016. Um, my wife used to come to community Bible study here. And... Um, and you guys were taught, I think it was Laura Malzahn was your teacher, wasn't she? Yeah, so um, shout out to Laura, um, what's up? So, and, then, um, and then my kids would come here to the teen community Bible study. I guess my youngest kids, we got five kids, you saw them all there. I mean, good night, man, we, we're busy, you know what I'm saying? So, but we're not quitters, we had to keep going till we had that little girl, because every man needs a little princess, you know? Oh, brother, you just got the C, so uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, your church has blessed us, and here's what I know about your church, is that you're people of the word. That's, that's it right there. Hey, I don't care anything else about you. I'm not of your denomination. I'm not of your fellowship. You know, I'm looking out here, you know, uh, hey, I'm different, but I do know this. You all are people of the word and that's what unites us. And I'm thankful for that. And that's good enough for me. And that should be good enough for the rest of us. We are people of the word is what we're called to be Christians. He's talking to Christians here. And when we get into the word, we know that when Jesus left and, he, and when he came and did all of his work here on earth and he ascended to heaven, he left us with the mission, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, he told us to go into all the nations. Preach the gospel. That's what our job is, to make disciples of all nations, not just converts, but to preach the gospel and then to teach people how to live like he did. That's our job, to go into all the nations and make disciples. And the deal is, this wasn't a new mission. It wasn't a new plan. When God chose Abraham and he made his covenant with Abraham, we see this in Genesis chapter 12. This is what God told him to go and he will be made into a great nation and God would bless him and that he would be a blessing. All who blessed him 
and it would be blessed and all that cursed him would be cursed and all peoples on earth would be blessed through Abraham. See, this is not just a blessing or a covenant for things. You know, the Israelites messed it up. They missed it, didn't they? Because they thought, well, God likes us. Nan, any boo-boo, stick your, oh, you can't say that, can you, Angie? Usually she's giving me that, you, you know what I mean on that. But, you know, we, this, is not just a, this is not just a covenant. God's like choosing them to say, oh, I like you better than I like everyone else. God chose Abraham and his descendants, and he said, look, I'm going to bless you so that you can have all the tools, all the resources, everything you need to take the gospel of, of salvation to the world. This was a blessing of salvation. God had a plan to reconcile all people unto himself from the beginning of time. It's called Missio Day. This was God's plan. It was to bring reconciliation into the world. And it started with his covenant that he made with Abraham. And the Israelites, they, were, they, they did their thing, but they, they, they thought it was all about them. They messed it up and, and they, they got a little bit arrogant and thought, hey, well, we're, God's blessing us. He likes us more than you. And they thought they could do whatever they want to. And you remember, they had seven cycles of they would start to become prideful and arrogant. They'd start to do their own thing. They would sin and they'd cry out to God, forgive us, please. God, we're sorry. And he'd send someone to save them, to help them. And then they'd do it again. They would act foolish is what my mom said, acting a fool up in here. You know what I'm saying? So is any, like I got a big black mom. Anybody got a big black mom in here? No. Am I the only one? (laughs) But a big black mom said, boy, you better not be acting a fool out there, embarrassing the family. And that's what was happening here. And so finally, Jesus had to come on the scene and he lived and and God gave us a new plan, a new covenant of salvation. And then Jesus said, go and spread this to all nations. Nations include tribes and and people groups and colors and ethnicities and, and, and whatever you want to call it. This is what we were called to do is to go and spread the gospel to all people, Jew, Gentile, red, yellow, black, and white, male, female, is to spread the gospel of Jesus, the message of salvation. And see, you know, the devil doesn't like this, so he tries to stop us. And it's nothing new. Remember the story in, um, of the, of the um, Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 when Jesus has his encounter with the lady at the well? See, a lot of times we think that that message is just about Jesus coming and encountering this woman and, and restoring her, which it truly is. I've preached that before. That is a message of individual salvation for this lady and how she took the message to her family. It can be preached that way. But if you dig down deeper, you'll see that there's a deeper meaning. See, this is really a story of racial reconciliation because the Jews were racist against the Samaritan people. The Jews did not like the Samaritans. They would not travel through Samaria. They didn't want to have anything to do with Samaria for hundreds of years. And it goes back to 700 years before Jesus when the Assyrians and the Babylonians, Babylonians came and conquered Israel because they were in their, one of their cycles of sin and God said, enough, I'm going to send you into captivity. And so he caused the, the Babylonians and the Assyrians, they came in and they, they captured the Israelites and they, they took a lot of them back into captivity in their land, but they kept some of them in, in um, Israel to tend to the land and to, to, you know, to make sure that the crops and everything were going. And they set up Assyrian and Babylonian lords, if you will, or governors to oversee this. And they had some of their people there and they started to intermarry with the Jewish people and, and have children. And those children grew up to be known as Samaritans. And so when the Jews came back, when Nehemiah and Ezra came back and they, they led the people to repopulate the land and to rebuild the temple, 
the Jews didn't want to have anything to do with the Samaritan people because they thought, you sold out. You're half-breeds. You're not a part of the covenant. And so they didn't want to have anything to do with them. And this went on for, for, for decades, centuries. And so finally, and it was really so bad that when a Jewish person that lived in one of the northern tribes of Israel wanted to go down to Jerusalem to worship, they wouldn't even travel through Samaria. They literally would walk um, east around Samaria, then they'd go south, and then they'd go back west, and so they could go to Jerusalem to worship. The Jews were so racist against the Samaritan people that they didn't want to talk to them. Therefore, they were not spreading the covenant that Abraham was given to take the gospel to all people of all nations. Racism's nothing new. The devil's been using this tool to divide us, to distract us, to try to stop the spread of the gospel for centuries. And when Jesus came, he was showing his disciples, no, it's not about that, bruh. The gospel's for all people. So when he went and had that encounter with the, with the lady at the well, that Samaritan lady, it was to bring salvation to her and her people. We have to say, church, that we gotta, we gotta stop this. We can't allow racism, prejudice, bigotry to stop us from doing what God called us to do, which is to spread the gospel to all people of all nations. The devil knows that it's an effective tool and he distracts us. I can't wait until next week. Um, I'm so excited and, and um, thankful to be back here. Hopefully, this is just a little enticement to get you back next week. Tell your friends, if you're watching online, I think there's plenty of room. You can come up and sit here if you want to be safe. But man, there's just something about being in the church. I'm, a, I'm an old school brother. I grew up in the, the church of God in Christ. <laughs> you got to say that after you say the church of God in Christ. <laughs> Some of you guys are going, what is that? What's the church of God in Christ? I know. I know. That's my white people voice, by the way, just so you know. So. My wife says I shouldn't say, she's over there going, oh, Lord. And again, I told you, you got to be ready to laugh, okay, people? I'm sorry if I offend you. Uh, yeah, but uh, laugh a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, Church of God in Christ, that's like the, that's the black, you know, Pentecostal um, denomination. I grew up in Mount Calvary, Church of God in Christ. <laughs> Pastor Elder Starling, ha! <laughs> And he preached like that too. You know, so you guys ever watch TD Jakes on there and he gets going, ha, get ready, get ready, ha. You know, you got to give a ha. I don't know why. That's just what they do. Okay. So, but you know, um, you know, and I don't even know why I went there with it, but, <laughs> but here's the deal. We have black people, we have white people, we have brown people, and we're all going after the spirit of the Lord, chasing after him. But the devil doesn't like that. And he wants to try to divide us and to distract us and to segregate us and to get us into our own tribes. And then when people don't look like us, they don't act like us, then uh, we're a little bit, uh, we're just a little bit leery of them. We're a little bit withdrawn and we're a little bit guarded against them. And the devil has been trying to use this sin of, of just to, to keep us divided and distracted. And now we see it going into even a bigger deal. And again, next week I'm going to talk about some of the specific individual issues that we're faced with today because there's stuff that we need to talk about. I mean, it, it comes down to, to, to just simple matters. But, but what's, what, what's happened is we see these two binary choices all over America. Are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? Let's do this right now to find out. I want all the Republicans on this. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> But we in the church have allowed that to come in. And then now we got to start going along with everything that they're, that these, um, these political agendas espouse to and believe in. Well, so what's your views on, you know, abortion? And that's a big one. 
I mean, I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. I think the technology has shown now that it's killing babies and God doesn't like it. And if you're a Democrat, man, I think we should work within the party to try to exact change. If you're a Republican, pray, you know, keep working it. You know, so, but these issues we have to talk about. What do we do with some of these things? How do we take care of the poor? How do we show love for the poor? You know, you have usually the Republicans are like, hey, work hard, be successful, pull yourself up. Democrats go, no, we got to take care of people. We got to, is do we have to pick a side? Can, can it be somewhere in the middle? Can we build relationships with people and love on people and help them, but at the same time teach them, hey, at some point, you got to be ready to do this on your own. I mean, so, so this is my whole point, and this is what we believe with our whole message of Start Again. There's conversations that need to be had. There's conversations. Vaxing versus non-vaxing. Mask versus non-masking. Everything is now, all of our choices are being presented to us by politicians that want to distract us and divide us so they can get their, their votes. That's what it's all about. And then the media tries to trumpet it. And hey, I can tell right now, you don't have to tell me if you're a Republican or Democrat. Just tell me where you get your news from. CNN, I know you guys, uh-huh. I know you're bleeding heart liberals. That's what they want to call it, right? You little old white conservatives. I know you're watching your Fox News. You know, that's what, and again, I'm joking with this. Please don't be offended. But we talk about race openly. We talk about these issues that's, that's kind of dividing us. And, and, and we, got, we have to say this. We have to have discussion on them. We realize that. There's stuff that we need to talk about. I'm not asking you to put your head in the sand and pretend like it's not there. I joked with you before. We talk about it with our kids. And, and a lot of times I try to use humor. My kids are, you know, half black and half white. I told them, man, hey, when it's scholarship time, you black. Just put it on there. Police come. Hey, sir, how you doing, sir? Hey, officer, yes, it's nice to see you. You're white, you know? That may offend some people, but I'm joking about it. But we have to get comfortable, Christians, the church, with talking about matters of race. And here's why. Because we need to facilitate the discussions. We need Christians who understand the heart of God is reconciliation. Not, not, he didn't call us to be social justice warriors. And I'm going to go into this next week. But we need Christians to have our voices be heard. We may not agree on everything. You may have different perspective and different points of view on some things, but we all have the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ, and that is what unites us. And we have to stay united because we are all called to the mission of going and making disciples of all the nations. And if we allow the devil to keep us distracted and infighting over, are you red, are you blue? Are you Republican, are you Democrat? Are you Biden, are you Trump? If we allow the devil to keep us fighting about stuff like that, we're not gonna have fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're not gonna be united in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. The devil has been using, and I say trying to use, the sin of racism for too long, and I say no more. The church has to rise above this and say no more. We're the ones that have the spirit of Christ in us. We are the ones who understand what it means to be forgiveness. We are the ones that can speak truth in the midst of the dark world. We are the ones who should be facilitating the needed discussions that's going to bring about unity, peace, and forgiveness. We need your voice. We need you engaged. I want to tell you a story about a really bad neighbor. And I'm going to tell the worship team and invite the worship team. You guys can come on back up. I'm going, to, I'm going to go ahead and land this plane here. But there's this really bad neighbor. And um, 
and it was me. I can remember once, and this is a few years ago, we had moved to Florida, Fort Myers, Florida, and we were on staff at a church there. And um, Fort Myers is a nice city, a lot of elderly people there. We lived in a neighborhood that happened to be a predominantly white neighborhood. It's an um, established neighborhood in Fort Myers. And when we moved in, I'm a friendly guy. I try to be nice to people, say hi to people, this and that. And when we moved into this neighborhood, I noticed across the street was an elderly white gentleman, and he was married. And, um, when I, and he just seemed kind of gruff. You know, I mean, just like, I was, I'm, I'm always friendly. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I like to just talk to people and speak to people. And at the time, we had two young boys. Our oldest, Trey, he's a junior at Mizzou. We just checked him in yesterday. And then our number two son, Michael, he's going to be a freshman at Evangel. He's studying to be a worship leader. But they were, what, five, six, seven, something like that when we moved into this neighborhood. And so, you know, I, I'm there. I'm saying hi to the neighbor. I'm like, how you doing, man? Hey, nice to meet you. And he's just like this. I'm like, ooh, okay, he's kind of cold. So, you know, after a few times of just trying to engage him and realizing that he didn't want to have nothing to do with me. Sometimes I, I know, you know how when you know that somebody sees you and they pretend like they don't see you and they quickly, you know, stop the eye contact, they walk on and do their thing. That's what this brother was doing to me. And I'm like, oh, I know what's going on here. I know what's happening here. This dude doesn't like that a black dude just moved into his neighborhood Married to a white woman, he's probably one of those that thinks I should have stayed with my own people. And, you know, he, he, I know what's going on here. This dude's a racist, period. And time goes on, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not talking to the racist, dude. He doesn't like me. I don't like him, period. And I go on about doing my business. I'm a pastor at the church in town, and I'm trying to be friendly with everybody else except for the racist dude across the street. I told my boys, I'm like, hey, don't even play in this side of the yard because I don't want the ball to go over there. I don't want to have to deal with him because I ain't trying to start nothing, but I will finish something with the racist dude across the street. And so we had been there a year or two. Pastor, I'm embarrassed to tell you that. I mean, in that, but I just knew the guy was a racist. And we'd been there a year or two, and I read this book, and it's called Just Walk Across the Room, and it encouraged um, people and, you know, and pastors or whoever to make sure that you were engaging with your neighbors and start praying for them. And as a matter of fact, one of the tactics in this book said, do prayer walks around your neighborhood and pray for your neighbors to have an opportunity to come to know Jesus. It's a great idea. Me being the, the good pastor that I am, I started to do that. And so I started to walk around our neighborhood in the morning and, you know, a brother could sit, stand to use a couple pounds then, lose a couple pounds. And I'm, I don't now anymore, but I could have back then, you know, and so that, that wasn't funny. I mean, but, I mean, you people are rude, Pastor. I mean, but so I started walking around the neighborhood and I started praying for people. Lord, I just pray for that neighbor over there. He's a nice guy. I pray that you save his soul. And Lord, I pray for her. She was nice one time. She waved at me. Lord, just save her. And Lord, man, that neighbor over there, they brought us cookies when we moved in. Lord, I pray that you save them. And, and oh, Lord, John, he's a nice guy over there. He helped us one time with stuff. And then, and then I'd walk by my, my neighbor right across the street on my way home and I'd just look at it like this. i just keep on walking. Wouldn't even pray for him because I ain't praying for no racist. And I mean, I do this for months. I'm walking around the neighborhood. Lord, save them. And Lord, give me an opportunity to witness to her. And Lord, I pray for that person. I pray for them. And I walk by that house, that neighbor that I knew was racist across the street. And I'd walk back and I'd just be like, walk right into my driveway and go inside. I ain't praying for no racist. See, it's hard for white people to understand. And some of you guys right now are going, man, that seems kind of harsh. But man, racism is a powerful, powerful tool. 
I can remember the first time that I was, was a victim of racism. I, I grew up in a predominantly white town, and I asked this white girl to prom. I've known her all my life. We grew up going to grade school together, junior high, high school. And one of my friends said, hey, Crystal wants you to ask her. And, um, and so I asked her to prom. She says, yes, we're all good to go. A couple days before prom, I get a call from her youth pastor saying, can you come over to the house? I need to talk to you. I go over to the house and he's like, well, hey, I'm sorry to tell you this, Alex. You're a really nice guy, but she can't go to prom with you. Her parents didn't want her to go with a black person because, you know, colleges might see the pictures and that might look bad on her, her college, you know, transcripts and stuff. Ouch. And like it attacks you mentally, emotionally, physically. You just want to like fight somebody. Intellectually, you feel, you feel less than. You know, and I, I'm pretty confident in my, my intellectual and, or, you know, my, my pursuits, my education. I'm, I'm pretty confident. But man, let the, the most lowly person in society call me the N-word or something. I start to think, well, man, am I? Is it? It, it hits you in so many ways. And so when black people feel like there's racism that happens against them, it's, it just, it's, an, it's an irrational thing, and it's, it hits you in every area and every race, and you got to cycle through that. And so, man, when I see this neighbor across the street that I knew was racist, I just couldn't bring myself to even just pray for him. And pastor, it goes on three, four. We're there for five years, and I, I've not had contact with him. I don't talk to him. He doesn't talk to me, and I'm cool with it. I'm praying for my neighbors all around me. And finally, I noticed that Hold on a second. You guys got to give me some, like, you got to give me some, give me the B3 organ or something, girl. I'm ready to bring this home. Give me, I'm landing a plane here. I need some music, something. <laughs> you guys, give me some guitar or something over here, brother. What do you guys got to, the music just enhances the story. It's, <laughs> I'm taking you to Mount Calvary Church of God in Christ. <laughs> you know, are you like nervous about what to play? She's going, I don't want to mess up, do you? That's what my wife be doing. Okay, so but anyway, back to the story. So I'm like rocking, I just don't want to pray for this guy because I know he's a racist. And so, man, finally, I noticed that he's starting to just drop a lot of weight. I mean, he's just dropping it fast. And, I, and I, I knew what was going on because my grandmother, you know, she had just died of cancer like months before. She was a chain smoker. He was a chain smoker. And I just knew what happened. I knew that he had cancer. I didn't, you didn't have to tell me that. And so then the Holy Spirit, I guess the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart all along, but I wasn't listening. I was hard. And so the Holy Spirit started saying, I need you to go over and talk to him. That can't be the Holy Spirit. I just missed that off. The Holy Spirit wouldn't ask me to go and talk to somebody that's a racist, obviously. And, I, and as the weeks went by, the Holy Spirit said, I need you to go talk to him. No, nah, Holy Spirit, not me. You need to send somebody else. And the Holy Spirit's like, I need you to go talk to him. Are you going to obey me or not? <sighs> Fine. You know, so, and that's how I did. I'd love to tell you that I'm more spiritual than that and that I you know, graciously did it, but I wasn't. I walk across the street one night I forgot to put out our garbage and I see him in the, in the driveway. It's evening time, late at night. Kids are already in bed. And I'm like, hey, you know, you know, hey, how you doing? He's like, hey. And he sees me walking up and he's just looking there. And I'm like, hey, my name's Alex. And he's like, I'm Skip, you know. And, and I'm like, okay, that shocked me. I didn't think he wanted me in his yard, let alone him tell me the name. And so, but I'm just doing this. You know, sometimes you're just trying to obey the Holy Spirit. And you're just getting it over with, you know. It's like, I'm only doing this because you told me to, Holy Spirit. I don't want to be over here. So I just went right in. Say, hey, man, I I know she's starting to lose a lot of weight. What's going on? I wasn't even pastoral about it. Wasn't, I just, what's going on? Just want to get this out of the way. And he said what I already knew. I got cancer. So then now I'm starting to feel a little bit like, ah, 
And so I'm like, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a pastor. And I was going to talk and he goes, I know you are. Now I feel like a kind of a loser a little bit. Like he's known I've been a pastor all this time and I'm a rude one, you know. I guess someone in our church had told him about me and that we lived across the street from him. And um, years before, I never even went over to say what's up to him. So it's like, I know you are. Now I feel like a loser. So I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'll be willing to pray for you. You know, I'm a pastor. Kind of like, you know, being a pastor, I got a direct line to God or something. You know, I don't know what I was thinking, you know, but, and he's like, okay. So I prayed for him and I left and I went across the street. I knew there was only one bad neighbor in that neighborhood. And it was me. I knew that he was a racist. I just knew it. Man had never said a word to me, had never done anything for me to believe that, had never offended me, had never in any way given me anything to believe that, but I just knew it because this white dude didn't want a, a black dude in his neighborhood married to this white woman with these little mixed kids. I was the bad neighbor. And I went back a couple times to talk to Skip and I always look for an opportunity to maybe even just spread the gospel. And, and I'd love to give you a positive end to this story. But the truth is he died a couple months later and I never even mentioned Jesus to him. We ended up going to, we went up going to his visitation. See, that's what racism does. And, and this isn't even racism. This is perceived racism, assumed racism. I thought about him, that he was thinking about me, that she was thinking about this. And, you know, because of what society tells us and, and what my society tells me is this old white dude who isn't nice to you. He's only not nice to you because he's probably a racist. So you don't want to have anything to do with him. And I'm a Christian. I'm a, I have Christ inside of me. And I missed an opportunity to tell this man about Jesus Christ who died so that he could be set free, so that he could become a Christian, so that he could spend eternity in heaven. And I, I've often kind of in my mind said, well, maybe he knew some other way. Maybe somebody else told him, and maybe they did. I don't know. Sometimes that just kind of helps ease my conscience so that I don't have to feel bad about being a crappy, really bad neighbor. I just want to encourage you, church. Don't be a bad neighbor like me. Don't let, don't let, the thoughts that, that society is feeding us about the way this person is or this person should be or, or this people group is probably this way because if they're young and black and they're probably this or you know if they're old and white then they're probably this and that's just lies from the devil trying to distract us trying to keep us separated so that we don't interact with people so that we don't have fellowship with people so that we don't spread the gospel to people no more church Enough is enough. It's time for us Christians to put aside politics, to put aside our beliefs, to put aside our preconceived notions, our misconceptions, to put aside our agendas and start building relationships with people and loving them like Jesus loved us so that we can spread the gospel to them. No more bad neighbors. No more. I want to say a prayer for you. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity we have to come and to share your gospel, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us this moment here. Lord, I pray for everyone here that's listening, everyone that's watching online. Lord, I just pray that you begin to touch our hearts. Lord, this is a, this is a heart message. Let our hearts be right. 
Let our hearts be pure, Lord. Let our hearts understand all that's going on in our society around us. Lord, and, and, and Lord, I just pray that you just give us the heart and the mind of Christ. And Lord, right now, I just pray for anyone in this room, anyone that's watching online, maybe you've been a bad neighbor and, and maybe you need to, to be forgiven. Maybe you just need to ask God to do that. I just pray for you right now. I pray, Lord, that, that we are all forgiven, that we all get a realignment, a heart realignment and an adjustment, Lord, so that we become good neighbors. If you're here this morning, keep your heads bowed and your eye closed. If you want me to just keep you in prayer, maybe you've been a bad neighbor, maybe you need to realign some things with this race conversation. If that's you, just raise your hand. Nobody's watching. I want to pray for you. I see those hands. I see them. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I just pray for these people that have raised their hands. Lord, we all want to be like Jesus. As we're dealing with these complex issues, as we're dealing with these situations, help us to have the mind of Christ and then to act and to live and to walk like Jesus. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.